Oh, what days we are living in. Oh, what times we're living in. <clears throat> God has given you rich opportunities to serve Him in the best of times and the worst of times. I believe it was Charles Dickens who wrote those words. The best of times and the worst of times. You say, well, preacher, how can these be the best of times? Well, God created and uh, caused to come to pass technology through man that allows us to hear the preaching of the Word of God live on not just a television set now but with a mobile device in your hands that can tap into a satellite anywhere in the world so now the gospel is reaching every nook and cranny of the world there are pastors and preachers who are reaching people with the gospel and with the word by the thousands and they they will never hear from thousands of folks that they have reached either live or on demand we were not even trying on a Wednesday night which is supposed to be a low night for us and we were not even trying we didn't even use our email system monkey chimp I don't know where these people get these names from but and uh, on a Wednesday night which you know we have a, a whole lot of visitors all of the time uh, but we have even people who belong to other churches who come on other nights but on Wednesday night we encourage them to go to their church if the, if the pastor is preaching and I would encourage all of you pastors who are not hirelings you need to preach every day going forward because you can lose digital members real quick people need to be encouraged every day now in case you didn't know that uh, my hat is off to such preachers as uh, Dr. Tony Evans uh, who is doing something nearly every day producing uh, uh, videos every day multiple times a week Bishop T.D. Jakes see these are true shepherds
they understand that in a crisis situation, the people need to hear from you every day. And now you have the means. Sunday is not going to get it anymore. In fact, I've told churches what you need to do. If you can't preach every day, Pastor, and they really want to hear from you, then they don't want to hear from your wife either. Uh, I know you think so, but they don't. Okay. <laughs> so, you, you know, let me help you, some of you pastors now. You can lose digital members quicker than you can lose physical members. So you, you need to be doing your job. Now, God has not called you and you're just a hiring. Go ahead and quit with the other 60% of the so-called pastors that I predicted would quit and give us a chance at having true revival. Oh, the church can roll on without you. Yes, sir. The church can roll on without you now. So, the church can't roll on without Jesus, but the church can roll on very mightily without you if you're just a hireling and you don't have a heart for God and for the people. So, but those of you who are called to be pastors by God, you better be preaching. Woe is unto you if you preach not the gospel and the word, because you're going to be losing members a whole I mean, members. I mean, we we have many people who come from other churches, and they listen and listen. They may not like everything, but they listen and participate. We had a huge crowd on a Wednesday night last night, which is normally a low night for us. I mean, lower than than normal, because everybody else should be at their own church. But anyway, I digress. I know some of you all are caught up with the basketball season. I, I tell you, the basketball season is too long. It's too long. No one of these people, these poor uh, basketball players get so many crazy injuries. I mean, and you know why they stretch it like that, out like that? See, back in the day, basketball, we had the championship back in March, April maybe. Not down in June and July and all of that. I mean, that's just too long. You know why they do that? Because they make more money. The owners make more money. And they're wearing out the poor basketball players. It's too much, man. Too much. Playing ball too much. And then they got the best out of seven, which is a, a sham. You know, they just... It's going to go seven in most cases because they want that seven money, and they and they are they're stretching it out because they know most people are at home watching basketball games. Now tonight we have uh, a hearing. They're trying to make it like into a Nixon hearing. And um, buffering over here. And so some of you people are watching that. You can watch it again at 10 o'clock. It's going. They're going to play it. In, some channels are going to play it in a loop. And watch it again at two in the morning. And everything. So uh, you can just cut that off. Get your remote control. 
And nowadays you have to keep your remote control in your hand to get liars out off your screen. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. As I preach in your hearing, the discipline that Jesus Christ expects of his disciples. Part 5, the Just Jesus Evangelistic Campaign, Day 1966. Since January the 20th, 2017, Day 2351, since January the 1st, 2016, And never, never, preachers, underestimate the preaching, the foolishness of preaching. There's great power in the foolishness of preaching. Do not fool yourself. It's amazing what God does with preaching. Matthew chapter 13, verses 51 uh, and 52, I'm not up here beating the air. God, listen to me, if you preach the word and you're called by God to preach, God will call somebody to hear you preach. I told my dear daughter, Danny, many years ago when she was helping me in the ministry, uh, directly, uh, and she still does, but as a child, and we started the podcast, which I didn't have much, quite honestly, I didn't have much, I was not impressed with podcasts. I didn't like the name. It was a new thing back then. Now it's one of the most powerful things out there. And... I told her, I said, I, I would have been, we had a crowd in the first few weeks, like over 100 people or something like that. I said, I told her, listen, I would have been happy with just nine. I would have been content with just one, as long as somebody shows up. And I believe true preachers are that way. They, they're not impacted by the crowd. It doesn't matter to them who's in the auditorium. As long as they know God is there, they are right. Jesus said unto them, Have ye understood all these things? Striking question from Jesus. As I told you one that I, I did not remember. They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Striking answer. I don't know quite how to take that answer. And then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. 
Holy Father God, on this Thursday night, we are weak and feeble, but thou art strong and mighty. We're not telling you that, Lord, we're reminding ourselves. And Holy Father God, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Help us all to pray what we mean and mean what we pray. And Holy Father God, I praise you on this Thursday night. Lord, I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Word. And for all of the millions and many and manifold blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And Lord, we go way back and we praise you and we thank you for salvation and spiritual, family and life, financial and material, protection and provision, mental and physical blessings. Thank you, Lord, for bad marriages that continue on anyhow by your grace your mercy, your love, your uh, unconditional love, your agape love, is only you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, raising up a couple to tell people the marriage must be vertical for it to be successful and what it should be. That horizontal relationships cannot make you happy because uh, on the horizontal level, everybody is a wicked sinner. We as Bible-believing Christians ought to be joyful and cheerful and happy and bring happiness and joy and cheer to the table because we have Jesus living on the inside of us. And Holy Father God, we pray this evening for the salvation of the religious but lost. I have one in my family for sure, my wife, and we have others as well in our extended family. And I thank you as I thank you today for uh, the liberty to pray out loud about it. I know it's not... Uh, that's not to what the sweet evangelicals, the sweet Baptists, the sweet charismatics want. They want us to continue to hide things and lie about things and cover up things until we appear in the funny papers. When everybody else thought we were just the wonderful, magnificent, perfect Christian couple. When in reality we have lost people in our marriages and in our families. When re in reality we have at least a few Adams families, Adams family members in our Brady Bunch family. And we have Adams family uh, uh, incidents at the house, but everybody looks like the Brady Bunch in church. And so, Lord, 
thank you for showing me is time out for all of that foolishness. For some people go to their grave faking and being a counterfeit Christian when they could have gotten saved and lived uh, a magnificent life through you by your power. I thank you for blessing me with that kind of life to the point now, Lord, uh, at any time you want to take me home, I'm ready because you have blessed me with the most tremendous life in spite of myself, uh, in spite of my spouse, in spite of uh, my background. Uh, it's all you. It's all of your grace. And I want that for everybody, including my own wife and all of my children, my family extended, uh, to stop trying to be religious and just be saved. And uh, have you to live through them as you have lived through me. By your grace. And by your love. And by your mercy. And so Lord open the eyes of the blind who are religious but lost. In the church. Worldwide. Revive those who are truly saved. And Holy Father God I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would save those who are irreligious. As a pastor friend in Columbus, Georgia, taught me that word, which I hated back then, and I'm not that in love with it right now, but I understand what he's saying. And so, Holy Father God, I do pray that you would have mercy and grace upon those of us who are saved, born again, by your grace. We are yet, unfortunately, sinners, saved by your grace, and we come under heavy conviction when we sin in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and for Jesus Christ's sake, please forgive us, Lord, of our sins, our failures, and our faults unto you. As we from our hearts, by your grace, forgive those who have sinned against us. And Lord, wash and cleanse our hearts, minds, souls, spirits, and consciences in the precious blood of Christ. And make us to be whiter than snow on the inside. And Holy Father God, I pray that you would crush and crucify our flesh and the old man within us. And fill us tonight afresh and anew with the fullness and the power the unction and the anointing, the fruit and the liberty, Lord, of your Holy Spirit, and let your will be done and not ours. Uh, Lord, work through your word and work through wretched people as we are. For the salvation of the lost, as your Holy Gospel is preached, grant me and all of us your energy, strength, unction, and anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit to uh, preach your holy gospel, to preach your holy word. Save those who are lost even on a Thursday night. Revive those who are saved even on a Thursday night. And Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that some people hate it, but it has to be done. Maybe they have the devil living in them 
<clears throat> but Lord, I do pray in the name of the Lord Je Jesus Christ without hesitation that you would cast out the devil and the demons of hell. The satanic, demonic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias. Lord, not only out of the people during the church service, but before the church service and after the church service, going deep into the night. Family members and friends who have adopted a demonic attitude and spirit, a disrespectful attitude and spirit by being around the wrong church friends who are lost and on their way to hell. Lord, cast out the demonic spirit of Judas and Jezebel, Sanballat and Tobias, and give us sweet victory tonight over the world of the flesh and the devil, and help us always to be sober-minded, vigilant, and watchful and prayerful, to pray without ceasing. Lord, that the service will go well, but that the afterglow will go well as well, and the light will not be put out. And Holy Father God, we pray that lost souls would come to know you as Savior, and uh, Christians would be revived and encouraged. We pray that your holy name would be glorified, Jesus Christ exalted. And that you would heal the sick and comfort the grieving all around the world in this country. Grieving from the coronavirus and other plagues. And in our communities, in our churches, in our families, and in our lives. <clears throat> Holy Father God, I pray that somehow, someway, by your power... They're not moving fast enough right now, but that you would, you would move your church away from the phoniness and the hypocrisy that has been going on for the past 50 to 60 years. Or we will never see revival or an awakening. Lord, we pray for true pastors to stop doing the <coughs> happy talk like the politicians and admit the situation is very bad and we're the reason why it is very bad. And Lord, revive us again, restore us again, renew us again. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Dr. John MacArthur said, The benefit of spiritual discipline is a fulfilled, God-blessed, fruitful, and useful life. One of the things I say all the time as we do the Standing Between the Living and the Dead devotional service, which includes a family segment in every service, I know that back in the old days when the pastor said anything about the family life, the deacons and trustees would grab back and instead of saying amen, they would say, you meddling now, you meddling now, preach, go on now, go on. Then they grab back and, <laughs> pastor, go on now, you meddling. Well, I want to encourage more pastors to meddle. 
in the family life, is in the Word of God. And God gives commandments to everybody, not suggestions, not advice, not three little keys and three little um, tools to make, you know, nothing but compromising the Word of God traditions made by the Pharisees and Sadducees of our day, the theologians. I love them all and I, I use them. I use uh, their theological books, uh, but I preach the word. I, I just add them to, to, uh, to highlight the word. But what I tell people is that uh, your marriage will be fine and wonderful and dandy if both of you are born again and saved and not just religious and churchy, number one, which is really not covered in most evangelical preaching and teaching and books. We're talking about discipline, and we don't have any. That, that is the problem, see. That's why we have marriages that are shot to hell. Churches are shot with marriages all broken up. Families all messed up. Got two sets of families in the same church and all kinds of mess going on, man. It's, God's not pleased with that. We don't have marriage care ministry. We have divorce care ministry in the church. That's how, in the words of Bishop Daniel White Jr., how ass backwards we are. We think that we've got to have a crisis before we can save people and, 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 and help people. And some of us have that kind of mentality. Many pastors have it. Many pastors' wives have it. Many women in the church have it. Don't tell me because I went to school with some of them. They want to be needed so much they keep stuff perpetuating that should not be perpetuating because they want to be needed and used. They've already run off three husbands, but they want to control your marriage and family and mess up your marriage and family with their mess. Don't, don't tell me because I know. There, there are people who have messed up their marriages and their lives and they will not quit until they try to, until they mess up yours. And all of you wives who are trying to do the right thing, you need to get away from them. <coughs> the Bible talks about this and it has been uh, the case so much in the church, other people know about it. That sometimes so-called friends in the church can corrupt good manners. You have a child that was once respectful and joyful and cheerful, and you see uh, see him a few day, a few uh, months or years later. And they're the opposite. They've been around the wrong people, even in the church. <clears throat> They've been influenced. They have been defiled. But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, you can read all of the books you want. 
you need to read the Bible and do what the Bible says. It's called spiritual discipline because you are supposed to be a spiritual disciple of Jesus Christ. And sometimes in life, contrary to our sweet charismatic brothers and evangelical brothers who have been influenced by them, sometimes in life you just do right, as one evangelist said many years ago, though the stars fall. It may not feel good. You may not want to do it. You may not like it. But sometimes in life you do what is right. Though the stars fall, it does not matter. And after a while, by and by, if you stick with the Lord and you obey the Lord and you do it with the right heart, spirit, and attitude, God will bless you real good. And you'll look back and wonder how you got over. And then you'll say, oh, now I see why God kept me from that. Have you ever had that experience? Somebody came along and they thought, they said they can do this for you and that for you. And you, you had a check in your spirit. You said, no, I'm not going to, I can't. Mm -mm. You had a check in your spirit. This is not right. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to meet with that brother. Because God put a check in my spirit. And then you go down the road a little bit further. You find out that the brother was corrupt. And all of the people around him was corrupt. You just say, uh-uh, thank God I did not. Thank God I did not marry so-and-so. Thank God that that date didn't work out. So just do what God tells you to do. Don't worry about what somebody wrote in a book. Do you hear me? The church, listen to me, let me help you. Thank God for the godly pastors who have tried to help through books. And I'm not against books. I've written over 100 books myself, I think. So, you know, I, I, and at the time it was a good thing to do. I'm not that enamored with it now. Because I believe that many people, many people's lives have been messed up by our sweet writers, Christian writers, and their books. You know why I say that, especially in connection to marriage, you know why I say that? Because what happens is, oftentimes, no matter how people, how much they try, when you sit down to write a book, you're going to veer towards your experience. And your experience may not be what's best for other people. But God's Word is. Stick with God's Word. Obey the commandments that God gave you in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 in your marriage. Now see... To some of the women, they don't like that. that. That's not romantic. That's just too cut and dry. But you men understand that. Now let me help you to understand something real quick so I can move on. God is our father. Fatherly love is different than motherly love. I believe children need both and they deserve both. And it's a beautiful thing when they can get that. 
my children, for example, especially my daughters, their mother, who is here with me tonight, helping in the ministry, just did not show up as a mother for her daughters. And so now, as they are grown and doing well, my oldest daughter in her early 30s, <clears throat> living in a nice house, in a nice neighborhood, with money, drove up and visited me the other day in a Mercedes, new Mercedes, doing quite well. She's able to help her siblings and so forth as she is not uh, married yet. And she's doing that. My heart is blessed. It's a great, uh, she told me that I, I want you to rest. She said, Papa, I want you to rest and I'll, I'll, I'll help the sip, my siblings get on with what they need to do. You've done your part. Rest. And I appreciate that. But she and my other daughters, <clears throat> they have been on a hunt for a mother for years. They will never probably admit that, but they, they, they want a mother that they can share things with. A mother they can talk about sex with and how that works and how that goes. A mother that they can pick up and take to the mall and take to the coffee shop and all of that. So if you don't, if a child does not get that, they're going to be looking for that. Uh, do what the Bible says. Though the stars fall, do right. It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm telling you this because I told my wife this for 34 years. You must, I told her when my daughter Danny was born, I said, God wants you and I want you to make memories with these children. Now you say, well, why don't you just divorce her? Why didn't you divorce her? That, I mean, that's, that's your solution. That's not God's solution. She wanted to stay. And so I let her stay. And I don't have any love for really anybody. All I have, for, except for my children, but I have agape love in my heart that is amazing and everybody who is saved and who has it, they find it to be amazing too. <clears throat> it's easy to love if you're truly saved and you confess your sins and you repent and you're walking with God. There's no goodness in me. I, I'm not a good person. I'm not a sweet, kind little man, you know, romantic and all of that. I heard about, I mean, read about a man today, bless his heart. He's a pastor, a preacher. And uh, he thought the marriage was fine. Ten years of marriage. And so on the 10th anniversary, bless his heart, you know, he, he's a romantic. And I felt so sorry for him. He, he, he revealed how he, what he did. He had uh, rose, uh, you know, come to the table at the dinner at this expensive restaurant. A rose came to the table. Ten of them were, you know, one every ten minutes or whatever. You know, he had all that going on. And, 
had them to play music and 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 then uh, you know he's a pastor and, and his wife was a pastor's wife and who loved him for what he is about and and, and, and loved the Lord and everything and, and so he went over and looked at a new property for the church he, and he was he meant well he was he thought it would, it would cheer you know she would be excited about it and then he had other plans you know chocolate and rose petals and everything else you know how you romantic men are God bless your hearts and so he went over and you know leaned over in the car to try to kiss her and she turned her she turned away from him and she told him I don't have any love in my heart for you <laughs> on the anniversary the 10th anniversary he thought he he thought that everything was wonderful What you have to have in a marriage for it to last. And they, they got it together and they understood that it's about God, not them and, and them trying to make each other happy. God has to be first in your marriage. God is the one who created marriage. He created your marriage. And you must do it His way. If you do it His way, He'll be blessed. If you keep him first, everything will be fine. If both of you are saved. And so you can do all of that romance stuff. But if you don't both have God in your hearts and lives, it's not going to matter. That ability to choose to love somebody regardless of the situation and regardless of how you feel. Now I can't. I can't make you understand that. Only the saved people listening to me right now, they're not in the head, that's right. Even those who have messed up their marriage, this, this sir preacher, that's right. That's how they do. You know, saved people, that's how they do. They nod their head. They may not say amen loud in here, they nod their head. They, the whole time, they nod their head. When I first got saved, that's what I did. The preacher started preaching, I just started nodding my head. Yes, sir, that's right. Amen, that's right. I had a brother in the church named Marcus Page. He didn't say amen. He was loud and, 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 and boisterous. And he said, it is written. That's what he would say. It is written. Sometimes he was so annoying. But uh, uh, what happens to a saved, per saved person when the word of God is preached is... Um, it is so powerful that uh, you, something's going to happen on the inside. It may not always come out, but they are going to agree with it by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Warren Worsby, Dr. Warren Worsby, who is now home with the Lord after serving his generation, he said, they must be disciples who do the truth. 
they must be disciples who do the truth. Therefore, every scribe who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven or the disciple of Jesus Christ is a more accurate translation of Matthew 13.52. The scribe emphasizes learning, but the disciple emphasizes living. And we have brethren and sisters who are in trouble because they love to learn the word, but they don't love to live the word. To see if the word will work. See, there are some of you who are married and you love to read books on marriage, but your marriage is shot to hell because you never do what the Bible tells you to do in the marriage. You, 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 you're so proud and stubborn and rebellious that you don't even try because you think that you know better than God. See? You say, why are you, why are you bringing the family in here? Because if you mess up your family, you pretty much mess up everything by disobeying God's word. And you will find yourself sitting on the side of the bed with the lamp on, weeping because your husband or your wife is gone and your children are gone and only come by every now and then on a schedule that you have created with your spouse. <clears throat> and oftentimes you are curled up in a fetal position, depressed, defeated, and disgusted. When you could have obeyed the word of God, if you're saved, see, if you're saved, you're going to obey the word of God. You are going to be a disciple. You're going to be disciplined in your behavior, as Dr. John MacArthur pointed out, my beloved. These are the victorious Christians who obey the word of God. They are not perfect. They know how wretched they truly are, but they, they fear God. A disciple learns to fear God. That is to respect God, to reverence God, to not uh, be crossing God and breaking up the fellowship between you. They fear that. They don't want broken fellowship. They know how painful it is. It's, a, it's, it's the beginning point of chastisement. So disciples of Christ practice discipline. Disciples are doers of the word. And they learn even more, watch this, by doing. Some of you have thought about marriage since you've been a child. You dreamed about it. But yet you're not married because you are rebellious and you're proud and you're stubborn and you've already made up your mind as a woman that uh, I am woman, hear me roar, and I'm going to roar at you and I'm going to be ferocious with you. And the last thing on earth you need to be, honey, is ferocious. 
I'm going to give you a piece of my mind and my head is going to twist back and forth like the exorcist. You will not run over me. You will not rule over me, man. Well then, honey, child, that's why you're single. And that's why you're not even close to getting married. Because I don't know of any man who's going to put up with that. You might find a little fairy somewhere down at the uh, hairstylist to put up with that. But even they will rise up on you. And you don't want to scorn them. Sir, you, you want a wife so badly. But the truth is, you're not worth the flip. You have no convictions. You don't live by the word of God. You whore around. You don't have any manliness about you. You, 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 you would not help a woman. <clears throat> the woman does not need you. She does not need a girlfriend because she already has one. And you talk about how sweet you are and how kind you are and how clean you are and how uh, immaculately dressed you are and all of this. And when you don't even you don't even realize that's a big turnoff. Means nothing to a woman. And women do have intuition. They have to have it from God to make sure they don't get with you and your mess. If they, listen, I believe that a man who's saved has more intuition into the children than a woman. But I believe a woman has more intuition into a man. Mainly. She can tell whether or not you are the real deal man or you are deep down a sissy and a weak man and, and I don't care how strong the woman is if she's a normal woman she does not want a weak back man gentlemen or wild men because some of you are too doggone gentle she, she wants to know that you can handle her and she will tell you over dinner because I'm a lot. And that's why you don't have a wife because, uh, you know, you can't even handle her, man. Huh? You, you can't handle, you can't handle her. And she knows it and she, she has tried to tell you. While you're sitting at the table and you got a ring in your pocket She's saying, oh no, in her mind, oh no. This man is going to try to propose to me. And I'm going to have to deny him. And here's how she's going to do it. She said, oh, that's so sweet. When they, listen to me. If a woman tells you that's so sweet, you're done. You're, you're, you're done, sir. Put your little ring back in the pocket and go on about your way. Cause she, and she, she's saying that because she knows you can't handle her and all of that. And she does not want to be babysitting a man. If you don't know, uh, then you know you, you you need to find out or something. 
if you get what I'm saying. So you're not even ready to get married. Because you don't even know your strength. You don't even know who you are. And she does not want to get involved with a man who's searching for himself. Okay? Anyway, be a disciple, a good disciple of Christ first. She wants to know also whether or not she can turn you around. She wants to know that whether or not you will relinquish your discipleship and your faithfulness to God to get her. Are you strong enough to say, as for me and my house, baby, we're going to serve the Lord up in here. And I'm not turning around from my God and my Jesus uh, to follow you. Now, she may, in her flesh, want that deep down if she says she does not want a man like that. It's the strangest thing. But you better take heed. One of the reasons why my wife is here with me tonight serving is not because uh, I'm a sweet, loving, romantic man. I do love her. But it is God's love. Uh, but she knows for sure that I cannot, that she cannot turn me around or turn my attention away from God and what God wants me to do. Vertical, baby. You keep your eyes on the Lord and you'll help her do the same if she's saved. Be a disciple. A disciplined disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Rosemary continues, It is difficult to keep our lives balanced. We often emphasize learning at the expense of living. By the way, it's best to learn a little and then do a little. And then you'll learn a little bit more with God in God's economy. Learn a little, do a little. God is not interested in giving you a whole lot of knowledge that you can't handle and you don't even practice. You just like to show up at the coffee shop with your Bible study in hand with your Bible study buddies. Y'all drink coffee and laugh. Y'all enjoy it. But while everybody else in the coffee shop is going to hell, you don't even have any gospel pamphlets, tracts to pass out to the lost sinners drinking coffee with you at the coffee shop. You have no intention on telling anybody a little bit about Jesus. You don't have you go to the bathroom two or three times at the coffee shop, don't leave a gospel pamphlet. You got your best bud coffee shop worker. You, you, you like them real good because they know how to design a little put a little design on your coffee. They know you, they know what you want. Like cheers, they know your name. You have never witnessed to them. You've never given them a gospel track. You get with your saved buddy and y'all didn't laugh and talk and gospel, gossip and do, do two minutes of Bible study. Eating your danishes. These are my sweet evangelical brethren. I love them. They're going to have a Bible study now. 
they will have a Bible study. Bible study will travel. They go, oh, they can do a Bible study like that. Bam. And go off deep into a passage. And have never witnessed anybody. Never shared a gospel pamphlet with anybody. They love to learn. They love to listen. But they do not love being a disciplined disciple and live it out. And I promise you that God will not expand your knowledge until you start living it out. Dr. Worsby goes on to say, or we may get so busy serving God that we do not take time to listen to his word. That's another problem. People are so busy serving God, they don't read the word of God for themselves. So let me tell you something how that works. If you, it's okay to be busy serving God, but you need to be replenishing all at the same time, and guess what God will do? He'll keep on giving you more. The more you give out, the more you preach the gospel and preach the word and teach the word, as long as you have a great devotional life where you're reading the word and praying and, and, and you're replenishing, God will keep on giving to you new stuff. Uh -huh. There's some Christians right now who know what I'm talking about. There's some people who know what I'm talking about. Every scribe must be a disciple and every disciple must be a scribe. My beloved, I have so much more to say. I am intentionally cutting it short. Are you a disciple of Christ? Or are you just a religious ex? A terrorist in the church. Leaning to one side too much or the other side too much. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the key thing. And, and I'm, I am shocked that God is having me to emphasize that. But I have seen it up close and personal. How that you can be, say that you did something in the church when you were 16. Like get baptized, like I did. Or shout, or speak in tongues, or whatever. Sit in the chair. But you never got saved. And Jesus talks about this in this long line of parables. That he's wrapping up. He talked about that. Very, very, very deep. You know, you know he's the Lord because, I mean, extremely deep talking about how people can even get excited about the gospel and still not get saved. And then dealing with how that people can serve in the church and and, and go to him in the end and say, Lord, we did this, and Lord, we did that. And he turns around and says, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, no doubt. 
some of the most frightening words. And in the same Bible, the Holy Ghost of God says, examine yourself and see whether or not you be in the faith. As an evangelist, this is shocking to me to have to do this at this stage. And God has shown me that there are many people in the church who go to church and were going to church before the plague all the, of the all of the time. Serving in the church, had positions in the church and were proud about it. Enjoyed going to church, but for the wrong reasons they were never born again. That's why we got so much mess in the church. And if you could get a picture of the damage, listen to me very carefully. If you can get a vision in your mind of the damage to the church that God has allowed against it and has caused against it, you will have a picture or an image in your mind of the buildings that are being destroyed in Ukraine. That's that's where we are. Okay? Later for all this happy talk uh, by these false pastors and their happy talk, Apollo... Uh, ticking, uh, 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 happy talk mess following the politicians. Things are not well, people. You need somebody to give you a good dose of the truth. The church is not well at all. And not only are some of the church members sick, some, some of them are dead. They've never been born again. We have churches that are full of terrorists, counterfeit Christians. You may be one. Examine yourself and see whether or not you be in the faith. If you're troubled right now in your spirit, in your mind, and in your soul, you need to get saved. Now, if you are with us today, my beloved, and you do not know Jesus Christ, in the free pardon of your sins as your Lord and Savior. Allow me to show you how you can place your faith and trust in Him so that you can be saved from the power and the pain of sin and from the punishment of sin in that awful place called hell. First, dear friend, accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's law. You have broken the Ten Commandments of God. You have lied throughout your life. You have stolen throughout your life. You have lusted after people and things throughout your life. I remember when I was a little boy and I know my cousins Five boys born to my favorite aunt, Rebecca Cradle. I know they remember it. Because I, I, I remember very well my aunt Hattie had an ashtray. Because she was a smoker. Evidently she got on vacation somewhere. And it showed this fine uh, white woman on a uh, being pulled by a man in a boat on skis and she was voluptuous I can still see that beautiful woman in my mind 
because that was my first experience with lusting after a female. I knew I said something is about this, something is going on here. Something is is, is is something about that woman. And every time I would visit Mother Tempe's house where my aunt had it stayed, I saw that ashtray and I looked at it. I, I gazed at it. She was just so hourglass figure. Lusting. I was a little boy. Have you lusted? Did you lust when you were a little boy? A little girl? Did you lust after people and things? Tell the truth and shame the devil. I did. And then I started lusting after uh, all the uh, girls in my classes who were beautiful. Not only that, disobeying my parents and dishonoring my parents. I had no reason to hate my dad, but I hated the ground he walked on. The man was the most loving man I ever met. He let me and my mother and uh, our siblings get away with murder, and, and he tried to take the blame. That's how good he was. At one point, I, got, I, I was a grown man at the time, according to the American system, and I told him, I said, Papa, I said, Daddy, you're not wrong. I'm wrong. I take it. It's not you. I, I did this. He was trying to take responsibility because he didn't, you know, raise me the way he thought he should. I said, Dad, no, listen, I appreciate it. And I know, I said, uh, the girls may let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. You didn't, you didn't commit the sin. I did. So I said, I'm not going to let you take the blame for it. Tears began to run down his eyes. The son who hated him the most eventually got saved, and I wrote him a long letter telling him and apologizing to him. His worst child. Because I dishonored him and disobeyed him, and I, I went back over my life, and I thanked him for certain times that he was there for me even though I was not a good son. How about you? Have you ever sinned like that? Disrespected your parents? Dishonored your parents? Disobeyed your parents? Sure you have. Tell the truth and shame the devil. How about this? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Cursing with God's name? Talking about, oh my blank oh my taking God's name in vain blank even OMG is borderline I wouldn't do it we all have sin I just named five of the Ten Commandments that we all have broken if we're of age we're not talking to a little baby the Bible says in Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me see. <clears throat> Second, accept the fact that there is a penalty for sin. 
There's a punishment for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. We die because of sin. We do not die because of a sickness or an illness. We die because of sin. And if God will allow you to die because of your sins, he will allow you to die and go to hell if you reject his son and do not believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. And so third, accept the fact that you are on the road to hell, my friend. You may be in the church and religious and church going and serving in the church and dead in your trespasses and sins and on your way to hell and not even know it. That's how I was. That's the sad thing. It it frightens me to this day. How that I was in church, my dad was a preacher, my mother was a preacher, we were members of the Baptist Church, the Disciples of Christ Church, the uh, Holiness Church, Pentecostal Holiness Church, the Pillar of the Ground of the Truth Church, Love Center Church, and I was on my way to a devil's hell forever and didn't even know it. Nobody ever told me that. When I, met, when I heard the word saved, I thought the long dresses on women, uh, preachers in suits, and deacons in suits, and everybody dressing modestly and dressed up on Sunday and uh, missing the Dallas Cowboys play, you know, like this is some kind of sacrifice. I don't know what they were doing. Staying in church for three and four hours. No one ever asked me, and no one ever told me that I was going to hell. Never asked me whether or not I was going to hell. And I was on my way to a devil's hell. I had never heard this passage that I'm getting ready to share with you and read to you. Never heard this preached in all of the churches that we ever went to. Never. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than all of the prophets and all of the apostles combined. And sadly, he's preached more on hell than most preachers living today. Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, 43-48, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life (coughs) than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee or causes you to sin, 
against me, against God, against Jesus. Pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Fire is not quenched. Hell is a very real place. And God wants you to know that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made it very clear. Jesus is showing you that hell is so bad, it's better for you to cut your hand off, cut your foot off, and pluck your eye out than to go to hell. That's how bad hell is. He would rather for you to go to heaven with a plucked out eye, a cut off hand, and a cut off foot by believing in him and go to heaven than for you to go to hell because hell is that bad. I know you don't hear this preached much. Maybe not at all. This may be your first time. Take heed to it. Jesus Christ, who preached on hell more than anybody in the Bible, is the same Jesus Christ who said these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, that is, perish in hell, but have everlasting life. So hell is bad news. But I have some good news for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou and you shall be saved. For God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, the word whosoever means anybody at any time. Red, yellow, black, or white, we're all precious in God's sight. Believers in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Just believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you, so that you can live forever with God and Jesus Christ and the angels and the people of God. And guess what? God wants you there. He wants you there so much he gave up his son to live and to die for your sins. He was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. So if you want to get saved today, believe in your heart. Not in me, not in any other preacher, not in any other man or woman, only Jesus Christ. And pray and ask him to come into your heart to save your soul today. And he will. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved to what? Saved to heaven to be with the Lord. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou, you, 
my dear friend will be saved. Call on his name, and I will be more than happy to lead you in what is called the sinner's prayer, as someone led me nearly 43 years ago. So let's pray together for your soul's salvation. Even if you're in the church, even if you are a pastor, a pastor's wife, a deacon on the deacon board, a trustee on the trustee board, you're religious but lost, or you're irreligious and you've never entered into a door. Right now, you're getting ready to go into a gay club. You're getting ready to go into a heterosexual club. You're getting ready to party and jam, jam, boogie, boogie. You can get saved right now. I was on my way to the club a few days before I got saved when I first saw this man with a big old Bible. I was on the phone with the girlfriend. We had pay phone back in those days. <clears throat> and I was on my way to the NCO club. A place I loved. But the process of God reeling me in, the process of salvation started that night. While I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends, I stopped him because I saw this young man with a Bible, big old Bible. And he said he was in a hurry to go uh, talk to somebody about the Lord and he asked for my address in the dorm room, locker house dorm room on Keesler Air Force Base. He said, give me your room number. I'll, I'll come talk to you later. And that's what he did. And that's how it all started. That's how I got saved. I was on my way to the club. And I went to the club that night. You can get saved tonight too. Let's pray. Repeat after me, phrase by phrase, and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. And I have sinned just like the preacher said. I have broken your Ten Commandments. And I am guilty. And I deserve to go to hell. For uh, Jesus Christ's sake. Please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to take my place. To suffer, to bleed, and to die on the cross for my sins. get buried, and then rise again on the third day. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and rose on the third day. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul tonight. Mm -hmm. 
Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to change. Help me to repent of my sins. And help me to turn away from my evil life. And to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, in the new life. For it is in your holy name I pray. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, for my sins and the sins of the world, that he was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, dear friend, if you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, please email us at dw3 at gospellightsociety.com or whatever email is on your uh, platform. And let us know so that we can rejoice with you and send you immediately free material (coughs) that will uh, help you to grow in the faith and be the disciplined disciple that God wants you to be. (coughs) Pardon me. If you have a prayer request, please email that to us as well, and we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you, we love you, and may God bless you real good is my prayer. Let's stand for our closing word of prayer as we listen to that beautiful song, I'll Fly Away. (coughs) Holy Father God, we praise you, we thank you for what you have done here once again tonight. (coughs) Pardon me, Lord, and we give you the glory and the praise and the honor for what you have done. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege to do it. And Lord, we pray that millions will hear the gospel from this one message and come to know your Savior and become the disciplined disciple that you want them to be. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and for his sake. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time. I don't know why Jesus loved me.